So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of The Bizzlecast, uh, welcome to an intro to a Bizzlecast quickie. Um, it's one of my slightly longer quickies, uh, still way shorter than most of my podcasts, and I have my dad on Papa Bizzle, your friendly neighborhood Papa Bizzle, uh, for a l- little over a half hour or so. I want to launch you into that, but because we had been talking and just then started recording, and I've got so many thoughts. There's a lot of strands in old dude's head right now with all my predictions and all my favorite actors and everything going on with Haley Steinfeld and Tom Holland now with Spider-Man and the Suicide Squad being a bomb, but why does everyone like it? I don't understand. Um, or not a bomb, it's just something I hate and can't, don't, can't understand Harley Quinn or the Suicide Squad. Um, but the, the, the impetus for this podcast um, and in the title, as you'll see, is definitely the, the, the fact that it's... Just as, let's put it this way, it's amazing that Sony and Marvel, in less than a month, were able to reconcile their differences. Both have to sacrifice financially and otherwise in order to bring Tom Holland back for at least a few years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe where everyone wants him and where he belongs. But just as amazing is the the revelation today that appears that, you know, 20-year-old Tom Holland, however old he is, uh, was the one who had to sit down the grown-ups. The kid had to sit down the grown-ups, and he specifically appealed, I'm sorry, 23 specifically appealed either at the same time or at different times i'm not sure how the mechanics work the logistics but tom holland seems to have actually been the guy sit down the guard ups and say guys you're acting like idiots in a very sweet lovable tom holland way i'm paraphrasing i need to this was working great for everybody before why can't we just go back to the way it was before and everyone can make money have a great time also i'm the guy i'm the peter parker and the spider-man that everyone freaking loves main stream and nerds and without me you know you don't have much of anything and one of the themes of my dad in this podcast is specifically highlighting that actors and actresses today even really young ones like tom holland um and Haley steinfeld i'm not calling tom holland my male Haley steinfeld in terms of me just thinking he's the most talented in his age has a ridiculous ceiling is already taking on more good roles and i just love every second he's on screen uh as tom holland as peter parker spider-man or anything um and uh you know hence how just crazy but interesting and really uplifting this news is so we're covering a lot of topics i'm jumping around because i only have my dad for a short amount of time and so of course i ended up talking about a lot of different things um in relation to it um but i want to do this quick intro um to let you know that you know the the reason i highlight in particular in the podcast tom holland natalie portman Haley steinfeld uh, elizabeth alston uh, elizabeth olsen and even great actresses who are now experiencing comebacks like kirsten dunst 
who were once so famous as Mary Jane and Spider-Man and so forth, and Margot Robbie, how all these young actresses and actresses, specifically in these nerd properties, Marvel, DC, Star Wars, whatever, um, are, are flexing their muscles in different ways. And, and, you know, I might not like Suicide Squad or Harley Quinn whatsoever. I might be horrified about how the Birds of Prey is just a Harley Quinn show, which is the opposite of what I wanted and what it should be. Nevertheless, the fact that she is so empowered as a relatively young actress to, you know, be an executive producer in, in the Warner Brothers circle of production, which is, you know, it's, it's the most predictable thing ever that that Warner Brothers would even kill the brilliant mind of Margot Robbie somehow. And they, they, she must be brainwashed. In the long run, these decisions seem horrible, but it is making them money and people do love the character Harley. And so I need to respect that and the notion is that while i love that young actors and actresses now have their own form of superpowers which is realizing that they in the case of of the best and most famous um of them and certainly the most confident and stable that they have the power to not only get to do studios to get studios to do what they want but specifically that their realization that they are more important in the short and long term than the studios and the studios need them more than they need the studios because there's a lot of people with money out there who make bad movies and bad tv shows with bad casts or good casts with terrible writing looking at gcw among many others um but you know there still is a premium on your Haley steinfeld's you're Tom Holland's in the early 20s. You're Scarlett Johansson and Natalie Portman's in your early 30s, you know, and, and, and so forth. But they're all sort of from the younger generation, and they're starting to use their powers in great ways, um, which is why I think Kelly Seinfeld is holy, holding off on her giant Marvel deal because she wants to promote Dickinson, what looks like a beautiful and brilliant production about Emily Dickinson, which she plays Emily Dickinson, um, in, uh, in Apple TV's first major offering um, with Haley Seinfeld in the lead role. It's so, even though the Marvel Cinematic Universe is like literally around the clock dropping, I think, dumpster, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, garbage trucks full of cash at her doorstep. Like they can't, they can't shovel the cash in front of Haley Seinfeld's doorstep fast enough um that that is part of it and she's telling them nevertheless wait till i stop promoting the thing right in front of me which is such a mature attitude and so it's not just that the margot robbies and the Haley steinvilles and the tom hollands have the power and they realize they have the power but using it in responsible ways even doing what not even can even um properties that i can't stand like everything having to do with suicide and harley quinn at least so far that could change is still impressive until something to look up to and mostly this was supposed to announce, but we didn't have enough time, really. Um, I didn't really have enough time because I didn't have enough time with my dad, which is like I did my 90-minute Scarlett Johansson May 1st, 2020 podcast, which, yes, was technically about Black Widow, technically about the Black Widow next May, but mostly about Scarlett Johansson's amazing career. Um, and I want us to keep doing that with actors and actresses. So I'm about to lead you into my dad. I do want to add, you know, you guys know, if you're following me, that I do highlight um, mostly uh, women and young women actresses. And yes, it is because I love watching them. But ultimately, it's because it's, even in today's world, guys, with Donald Trump as president and the sexist pay gap and so forth, even in today's world, 
Um, it's not as bad as it used to be, but even in today's world, young actresses have to go through insanity with horrible men and women, with a lot of horrible men in charge, even just to get jobs, even when they are famous. And so for young women in particular to take the control of their careers and really the entire film industry, like the James Gunn Rebellion, which we'll mention in this, you know, that was totally, yes, fans were mad, but it was mostly the actors being mad. I, I think that ultimately brought James Gunn back so relatively quickly, um, and without fanfare after being you know dumped by by marvel or disney for extremely dubious reasons that they have that power is very impressive so i will continue my rants about bird of prey birds of prey the recent horrible trailer which was released after my margot robbie rant i mean if i could rant for 30 plus minutes about the birds of prey situation based on what we knew and then those four posters that were released a couple days ago then when i saw the new trailer i'm like this is so bad. I don't even want to give Warner Brothers the airtime. Um, and I'm just not excited. And so until, you know, I'm going to love Wonder Woman. That's something separate. But everything else, you know, I got to wait for Batman in 2021. Hopefully bringing back Barbara Gordon and the important Batman characters in the actual reboot of Batman. And this is some side pocket. Nevertheless, I, I still need to give Margot, Margot Robbie props for taking her career and her image and her power into her, her own hands. And so I want to start highlighting actors. I've talked plenty about Haley. Steinfeld, so I doubt I'll do a Haley Steinfeld one. You can check out my Scarlett Johansson Bizzlecast from a few months ago, May 1st, 2020. Um, Natalie Portman might happen maybe with Simi, uh, something we've talked about. You know, she's had such a long and storied career, even at her relatively young age. You know, she's a child actress, just like Anna Kendrick and, and Haley Steinfeld, and to an extent, Tom Holland. Um, and so her arc, especially after the ter- the mostly terrible pre- Star Wars prequels in which she was somehow blamed by nerds and continues to be blamed by nerds, and then does Thor, you know, um, and now it's coming back to Thor after a terrible Thor 2 movie that wasn't her fault. So Natalie Portman's in this category, Tom Holland. Anna Kendrick, I think for sure it's going to happen. Um, I have to do some more commentaries with her. Those will definitely be coming up. And I'm open to suggestions from you guys. You know, act- actors and actresses from early 20s to their early 30s, I would say, for the most part, um, would fit the bill on this one. So I hope you enjoy the talk with my dad. Uh, he gives some good TV recommendations, as usual, including one Kirsten Dunst, which also fits in with all this, because in addition to being beautiful and amazing actress, she was Mary Jane, you know, in the classic Spider-Man movies. And she was great at Mary Jane, as Mary Jane, uh, in the classic Spider-Man movies. So great to see her, uh, you know, making a little bit of a comeback as well with a great show on TV that my dad loves. And we are very excited for Batman. And ultimately, the, the, the Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, Suicide Squad thing is just a bummer, because we want to get re-excited about the Batverse. Um, but uh, it's an interesting issue. Um, so I'm not done my rants for that movie. I am interested to see how it plays out in terms of reception and then Margot Robbie's role in the future. Um, but just the fact that she's doing it is great. And just the fact that Haley's, you know, even with her pop career, is doing it is great. Um, but we're going to start off talking about Tom Holland and... Uh, Maybe we should have seen this coming. I did not. For all my predictions, I did not see Tom Holland coming back and him specifically being the catalyst um, for coming back. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I thought it was possible that he would just be unhappy and then Sonny would be forced to do something because he's their guy. He's Spider-Man. Um, and so if he was unhappy, everyone's unhappy, but he didn't even wait for that. He just went straight to the sources with Marvel. So makes you wonder if a, if a sketchy studio like Sony and a great studio like Marvel can do something like this. 
It's never really been done before with a 23-year-old actor at the helm of bringing these studios together. What the fuck are you doing, Warner Brothers, Paramount, Universal? Mm-mm-mm. You guys are in big trouble. Hope you enjoyed this one, Papa Bizzle. Got some more commentaries. Hope you enjoyed Spider-Verse. The Haley Steinfeld-a-thon will indeed continue with Edge of Seventeen in the next few days. So without further ado, here comes Papa Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome back to the Bizzlecast, here with your friendly neighborhood Papa Bizzle, Papa Bizzle, as we celebrate not just Tom Holland coming back to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I've already talked about on numerous podcasts, including my Spider-Verse commentary, which he's not in, but would never have gotten made and be so successful, even with that voice talent, without Tom Holland's popularity and the popularity of Spider-Man coming back, Dad. But the news today that is, you know, again, like, my lack of prediction that this would happen, I should have predicted that Tom Holland, being the talent that everybody wants, could be the one to put the kibosh on this nonsense and bring them back together. It appears that this has happened, so as I welcome you back, your initial thoughts on a 20-year-old who no one heard of five years ago bringing Sony and Marvel together for a greater purpose somehow. Yeah, I mean, when you sent me that uh, a little wh- a while ago, I mean, I, I don't know how a twenty-year-old does such a thing. It's it's pretty extraordinary. So you know, b- before I went off on my um, uh, rant against Margot Robbie slash DC Comics the other day. Um, and by the way, Dad, that was after they had released the OK artwork minus no background still, but before the absolutely horrible, horrible, awful, trashy, disgusting. I mean, Alistair was like ready to turn in his DC Comics, you know, senior membership card after he watched it. It was so bad. Um, yeah. And again, it was all about Margot Robbie, Margot, Margot Robbie. Um, and so contrasting these actors here. So in the commentary, Dad, which I called Margot Robbie, have you lost your damn mind? Which was a, actually a compliment to her about how much power and control she has at this point. But Apparently. at the end of the commentary, because you haven't had a chance to listen to it, it's a relative quickie. It's like 30 minutes. The end of the 30 minutes, I actually say directly to Margot, I'm like, Margot, I hope this is Warner Brothers and not you. In fact, Margot, I hope you can be the one to save this disaster, because while I don't care if you save Suicider Squad, this is a property I care about and is actually important to the future of, of a film making comic books little girls everywhere and so forth but mm. a, a, a mere 48 hours after that podcast with margo 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 i mean trying to make herself as ugly and you know and just not unappealing um and just annoying as possible with this character that i just absolutely despise um you know it just points to in both cases that the increasing power that actors that we follow to various degrees have right i mean when when you were growing up let's put it this way studios had all the control essentially compared to today totally yeah and it was even worse in grandma's time i mean there's you know legendary stories about how horrible women and men but especially women were treated back in the day um but all all talent right and so i don't know when when it's i don't know when it changed um it doesn't hurt having people like Natalie Portman, Anna Kendrick, and uh, Haley Steinfeld become famous, but also normal at such an early age. I mean, what are the chances that Natalie Portman, Anna Kendrick, and Haley Steinfeld would all be super famous as children and have completely normal careers to the point where they're controlling every aspect of their careers? You and I, we like a lot of the same movies. Um, 
in fact, our, our movie choices overlap way more than our TV choices. Um, yes. Now, yes, right. you have come to like, to varying degrees, some science fiction properties on television that I would not have necessarily thought a few years ago, including you know most of Battlestar, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, and a couple other things. But I still watch, ultimately, more weird sci-fi and anime stuff than you ever would. And you watch a lot of dark, you know, period piece um, or you know, d- d- uh, you know, dark detective mob stuff. Yep. You know the um, yep. you know shows like Ray Donovan, even shows I like, sort of like Peaky Blinders. I just don't have the patience for. You know what I mean? But like those mm-hmm. kind of shows. Um, and you also stick with shows longer than me. Uh, everyone sticks with shows longer than me. I'm horrible at sticking with shows. So shows that we both like, like Vikings um, and Homeland and stuff. You know, so so what I'm saying, guys, is me and my dad have a lot of overlapping tastes, a lot of different tastes, but we do share our love of actors, dad, and we don't watch anything on TV. As we talked about with Pennyworth, we do not watch anything on television or movies for an extended period of time where at least the lead actor and some of the supports are excellent, correct? Yeah, totally, right. That's totally true. Right. So then you have a movie like Birds of Prey. Which has nothing to do with Birds of Prey. It's the Margot Robbie show. Her character is totally unappealing. She's been amazing in, in movies that have not been Harley Quinn movies, but she just absolutely loves what, what I consider like just a disgusting sexist portrayal. Um, you know that 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 women are celebrating and cosplaying. And look, women, if you like Harley Quinn, do your Harley Quinn thing. You don't have to dress like Ray. You don't have to dress like Princess Leia. Do your thing. I just find it very unappealing. On top of the fact that it has nothing to do with what it is. What I'm saying here, Dad, is that actors and actresses have been using their power mostly for good. I mean, look at the political activism of everyone from Scarlett to Natalie to Zoe Saldana to Emma Watson. Um, basically, everyone in the Swift squad at this point. Ruby Rose, Swifty herself. By the way, Dad, the, the posters that have come out of the Harley Quinn shoots, sorry, Birds of Prey, the Margot Robbie shoots, are like if you made the twisted version in hell of a Taylor Swift photo shoot. So there's lots of colors and butterflies, but she's looking psychotic and evil and unappealing as opposed to the Taylor Swift photo shoot. But it's almost like like like, like an inverse. And that would be a hilarious movie, actually. Is, 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 is it that much different than how she was in Suicide Squad, though? No, it's just then it was the revelation of her as Harley and Margot Robbie. And now it's the Margot Robbie show. Mm. So, you know, like people have seen it like Simi, say even old, old actors that haven't done much like Will Smith were great in Suicide Squad or actors that haven't done much and haven't been great like Jai Courtney were great in Suicide Squad. Plus, you have Viola Davis and some other actors. I still can't get through that movie. I still don't think I could. But now it's the, Mar- the Margot Robbie show. I mean, she is an executive producer on all of these, you know, properties. And, and you, do you think that the trailer is, is predictive? You know, some, sometimes tra- trailers are, are really misleading, and they're nothing like the, the ultimate, the ultimate film. If it wasn't how much I was turned off by the original Suicide Squad and the character of Harley Quinn, even with Margot Robbie, and it wasn't for all the way they screwed up the Birds of Prey, because this was supposed to be the team-up movie down the road after we had met Batgirl, the actual Birds of Prey, some other interesting female DC characters, and then. Um, Margot Robbie was going to come and bring it together in Suicide Squad 2 or, you know, a number of movies. So you, mm-hmm. uh, But they're doing what they did with Batman v Superman, Dad, which is introduce all these characters before they have proper origin stories and hope um, to make an Avengers in event. 
Mm, I see. But they're also doing what they did in almost, I mean, they almost made Batman v Superman without Wonder Woman, right? She's in 10 minutes of the movie. She stole the yeah. 10 minutes. And that's the one thing yeah. people remember and like about that is Wonder Woman's 10 minutes. And as I said in my last couple podcasts, you know, it doesn't matter because going forward, she's the only one left and she's their biggest thing. Cavill's gone. Affleck's gone. Wonder Woman's still there. Snyder, as I've said, Snyder walked blindly into Gal Gadot, and the only great decision he's ever made as a director slash producer, Zach Snyder, saw greatness in Gal Gadot somehow. And beside, but then he proceeded to destroy his own movies with Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, and now he's gone. You know, dealing with whatever's going on in his life or so forth. I, I feel bad for the guy. He's not a bad person. I just, you know, I like the fact that he discovered Gal Gadot and made her Wonder Woman, but then barely put her in the movie. My point is, this is like Batgirl in the Suicide Squad. So instead of doing the Wonder Woman um, origin story movie and then Batman v Super Squad, ba- Batman v Superman, which essentially was what the Justice League was, right, Dad? We got the team up movie. Mm-hmm. We, but we had just right. met Wonder Woman, hadn't had a full Batman movie. They didn't have a good Man of Steel movie. The first one was terrible. Not Henry Cavill's fault. Again, a bad Zack Snyder-directed project, in my opinion. Um, and, and so now we're getting the Birds of Prey, which specifically is Batgirl's team. All of the Batgirls, Barbara Gordon and otherwise. It's her team, but she's not in it except as like a prisoner. Uh, you know, the whole woman in refrigerator syndrome. So they have to save their leader, who's 16, whereas Harley and the Birds of Prey in real life and the movie are in their 30s. It makes no sense with the comics, and as I said in my commentary, you know, it's it's Batman v Superman without Wonder Woman, but more so, this is, imagine the Avengers without Tony Stark and Captain America, literally. Like, imagine watching the first Avengers and finding out that there's no Captain America and Tony Stark's being held prisoner and they have to rescue him. That's not an Avengers movie. I mean, you can't do it, right? I mean, and and this is the Tom Holland connection, is now that he's older and he's going to be in MCU movies... Marvel had to make sacrifices, Dad. They're only getting 25% of the Spider-Man movies in the next couple of years, which was way lower than they were initially willing to take from Sony because, mm-hmm. for better or worse, Tom Holland is so charming and endearing in the Avengers movies, even if you don't watch the solo films, and he needs to be one of the leader of the Avengers going forward with you know Elizabeth Olsen, Brie Larson, um, I hopefully Haley Steinfeld, and you know the, the young female Avengers along with him and who else because all the originals are gone so both sides realized that they needed tom holland in the mcu and in this case a kid who okay is as visible as margot robbie because of his famous peter parker but much less well established and much younger and tom holland is using his actor superpowers this is where i wanted to get to these actors have superpowers now then their superpowers is making the studios realize that they need the talent more than the talent needs them um, yeah. which has always been the case, but people didn't realize it, right? I mean, it's like, I hate to, I'm not going to make this comparison. Let's just say, you know, this is the reason unions were formed initially, right? Was like, we actually yes. can protect ourselves and make good things happen if we band together and present a united front. And this is exactly what happened with James Gunn. As soon as James Gunn was fired and people learned the, hor- the dumbass reasons he was fired, I mean, the actors literally came together in revolt. Some were very vocal, like Dave Batista and some of the others, as you would expect, Zoe Saldana, mm-hmm. um, and some were more behind the scenes. But there was a straight-up revolt at Disney about the James Gunn firing, both because they loved James Gunn, they didn't buy the reasons which were you know hatched by the right-wing media specifically to crush James Gunn's liberal views, um, and on top of that, the precedent that could set for both actors and directors going forward. 
And that's indeed what happened here. So back to Tom Holland very quickly. I, 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 you know, I, looking back, this is a prediction I definitely didn't make that this was going to happen. But I do remember thinking in my head that if there was anything that could make this happen, it would be Tom Holland just being sort of dissatisfied and Sony realizing that. But this is oh. like an active version. Like he actually, yes. he, the, yes. the kid, and look, this happens in real life. Sometimes the kid has to sit down the grownups, you know, and get them to, to talk to each other. When, when they don't want to talk to each other. That's what's so amazing to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's nothing short of, of amazing that, uh, that he would have that much sort of uh, poise and self-confidence and presence of mind at his age to, to do such a thing. It's, it's something else. I mean, you know, for all my cr- critiques, which you mostly share with me about some of the more recent Marvel movies, it's getting harder and harder for me to criticize Kevin Feige. A news story that just broke today, again, not surprising, but I did not know this, was that, well, Kevin Feige's the executive producer. He has a million writers, the way Star Wars does. And he's like Kathleen mm-hmm. Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy doesn't come up with Star Wars ideas. They had to bring the Rogue One idea to Kathleen Kennedy and be like, hey, Ms. Kennedy, we're going to kill all of our amazing, award-winning, beautiful lead actors in this movie. Is that okay? And she's like, yep, that's fine. Um, but she didn't come up with the idea. Um, right. and now Kevin Feige, in a related development, wants to write and or direct a Star Wars movie. And of course, the Star Wars fans who don't love Marvel are like, oh no, Kevin Feige's taking over. I'm like, guys, he's going to be directing, which means he has to bow before the feet, not only of Kathleen Kennedy, but of, of the story group, which he will happily do. His Star Wars, he is considered one of the most expensive Star Wars collectibles collections on the planet, does Kevin Feige, according to all reports. <laughs> he is an extremely huge Star Wars fan that all these guys are, and he wants to exercise his creative muscles. Point being, it came out today that the WandaVision concept, but specifically holding on to Elizabeth Olsen for an extended period of time, was his idea. This seems obvious to me, Dad, both the specifics, uh, uh, sort of the logistics of it, that he would have to approve it, and it makes sense that it would come from him. But the fact that Elizabeth Olsen thought she was like getting fired a couple of years ago, essentially, a- after the Avengers was over, uh, right. is a little weird. Um, but... Part of the problem was, you know, the, there was so much paranoia and not giving away secrets leading up to the final movies that all the actors were very scared, um, you know. And then, of course, you have Chris Hemsworth, who doesn't care, and he'll post videos he's not supposed to post anyways, because he's Chris Hemsworth. What are you going to do? <laughs> he's Thor, you know. Um, it's the, the, the Lebowski of Thunder. Or, or you want, right, whatever that's right. Exactly. But wrapping up, wrapping together names and th- and concepts here that natalie portman natalie portman was traumatized by the prequels because she had horrible writing they were received poorly everyone blamed her for how bad they were on top of it and it almost ruined her career not that she wouldn't have another choice but just like mentally you almost had a breakdown but then yeah. she immediately did v for vendetta and we know how great that movie is and how great natalie is and v for vendetta and now she's doing black swan jackie and you know getting nominated winning awards every year basically right 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 but right. then she did thor the weirdest marvel property and remember that in 2011 iron man was starting to get big thor and captain america movies didn't make much money and uh, uh, avengers was still a year away so the most bizarre character in thor being super sci-fi after she had said she would never do anything sort of genre again that that wasn't you know super dark like v for vendetta um, mm-hmm. which is sort of genre adjacent. I mean, it is a comic book story, but, you know, that's not mostly what it's about. But she came in and did Thor and had, st- in my mind, still the best on-screen chemistry in a single Marvel movie between a man and a woman with her and Chris Hemsworth. And then 
which people love the first one. Even nerds who hate Natalie Portman. No, na- I'm not mm. naming anyone, but people nerds who don't like Natalie Portman like the first movie, and then Avengers, and then they did the second one. And because they had a bat, they had Patty Jenkins directing Thor two, and Natalie was amped. She was ready to go for Thor two after all her bad experiences. And then they fired fucking Patty Jenkins. Well, thank God for us, Dad, because we got Wonder Woman one, two, three, four, five, and right. six out of it. That's but right. that really soured her. And although I know for a fact George Lucas was a very sweet guy as a director, he didn't do her any favors in the prequels. And guess who directed Thor one? Who? Kenneth Branagh directed Thor uh-huh. one. So, uh-huh. so you know, so you give her essentially the Wachowskis in V for Vendetta. And, or, you know, I, I mean, they're guy, but they were producing it. So you have yes. the Wachowskis and V for Vendetta working across Hugo Weaving with amazing material. And then you give her Kenneth Branagh with super hot, hilarious, amazing Thor, Tom Hiddleston, um, uh, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Sir Anthony Hopkins, Renee Russo. You know, I mean, you give her great direction in the cast and she kills it. And they have an amazing chemistry. And they still had great chemistry in the second one, which begins with her having a date with what's the Irish guy that you really love on TV that I'm always raving about from that movie that you love on the um, TV show that was in uh, Bridesmaids w- w- as the love interest with Kristen Wiig? It's it, Chris O'Dowd or somebody Chris else? Chris O'Dowd, Chris O'Dowd, yeah. So th- it starts with her trying to get over Thor, the second movie, and on a horrible, awkward date that Chris O'Dowd is not doing anything wrong, but she is so nervous and uncomfortable and, and, and it just... You know, the more nervous and uncomfortable, the cuter Natalie, and funnier Natalie Portman gets. Yeah. And uh, by the way, Kat Dennings, my girl, who plays Darcy, uh, who you know from TV and movies, she's going to be in WandaVision. I, I can't wait to figure, figure out how they're going to work her in. Anyways, the point being, everything was shaping up to have Jane Foster be the main love interest other than Pepper Potts, but she had a bad experience with the Patty Jenkins firing. She didn't like the director who replaced Patty Jenkins. Surprise, surprise. He was a Game of Thrones guy, did a poor job on Thor 2, and she was soured on it again, and you're thinking, there's no way Natalie's ever coming back. But she is. She's coming back as Thor. So she's now had bad experiences with two huge nerd properties. It's not her fault. And now she's coming back Partially, I think, because of Chris Hemsworth. They have great chemistry. I'm sure like each, just like each other and our friends. Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi's directing. You know what I mean? But the point mm-hmm. here is, this is, I highlight the female actresses a lot, and it is because I like them, but it's also because it takes more for them to exercise their power, as we, as we have seen very publicly the last few years, starting sure. with the Weinsteins. And so... I, let's put it this way, Dad. I, I like to say Scarlett Johansson gets what she wants, but I mean, I'm starting to think Natalie Portman always gets what she wants. I'm starting to think Haley Steinfeld basically starting to get what she wants, and I love it. I think the actress should. The problem is, <laughs> Margot Robbie is now getting what she wants. It's just what she wants is horrible, and so I'm of a split mind about this because people do like Suicide Squad and Harley Quinn, and this is what Margot wants. Can you explain this? First of all, how do you feel about Margot Robbie in general? Have you seen her in a lot of movies? I haven't seen her in in a lot of movies. Um, was she in uh, Was she in Tarzan with yeah, Scarlett? Yes, yeah, she was. She looked like she was beautiful, but did do nothing in that movie. I didn't see it. Yeah, but she she was very appealing and, and likable in in that movie. I thought she did a nice job with. I enjoyed that movie a lot because I I'm a big fan of Scarsgard. So. Um, Oh, that's no, I you know I don't know enough about her career to know why she why she's making uh, 
decisions like this. But it's hard to imagine that uh, it could go off the rails this far, but it seems like it's going to be going off the rails. So you're not an Instagram guy. Um, Obviously, I have, you know, and then there's some actresses that specifically do no social media, like Scarlett Johansson. God bless her. I wouldn't either if I were her. Um, But there's ones who who are beautiful and famous, like Zoe Saldana and Rosario Dawson and various members of the Swift Squad and so forth, who do tons of social media. And God bless them, too. That's their decision. And, you know, some of them, like particularly Zoe Saldana, um, Rosario um, and even my girl Tia Sirkar will go right at the trolls who come after them online. You know, yes, like, yes, right. You know, God bless them. They, they don't deserve it, but you know, they do it in a smart, mature way. Point being, Haley Steinfeld, being what twenty-two or whatever of the social media generation, is constantly on Instagram. She has way more Instagram followers than Twitter followers. She's got like 13, 14 million Instagram followers. She's basically getting a million every few months on Instagram at this point. Isn't that something? So from that alone, she should be as famous as Taylor Swift in five years with her pop career. Um, I did not know she's cracked the uh, top 40 twice as Haley Steinfeld in the last couple of years. Um, Hmm. Billboard charts. I don't particularly love her music. I like it more than Taylor Swift's a little bit. I think she actually has a better voice. A more interesting voice than Taylor Swift. Um, but, you know, I guess that's debatable. It doesn't really matter. My point is, Dan, that there was a moment with Haley Steinfeld about two years ago when we knew Bumblebee was coming out and her role in Spider-Verse and Edge of Seventeen had happened and she was yep. just starting with her pop career and the way she was dressing, and I don't want to be that old guy, you know, and I definitely don't want to be the guy to tell women how to dress, but, like, for a 19-year-old with a new pop career... She was dressing and acting and dancing and moving around in ways that made me shake my head like, no, like, it felt like she wanted to have her pop starlet moment one way or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And of course, Haley Steinfeld being Haley Steinfeld and it seemingly having an amazing family and parents and, and brain trust is now, you know, a great singer doing good material with, you know, acting and dressing much more responsibly. She still wears some sexy stuff. It's just weird because when you grow up with these, I guess this was like this with Natalie, right? When she was just turning to adulthood, which is like, That's right. when you right, grow right. up with them as child actresses, they start to feel like your daughter now that I'm yeah, so old, right. you know? And you don't want yep. your daughter, you know, shaking their booty out there. But then that's once right. they read us, and of course, Natalie never does that. That's the other reason Natalie's amazing as Jane Foster, because Jane Foster is a science nerd from Harvard, which is basically what Natalie Portman is. So she's basically <laughs> right, playing right. herself. And that's why Haley as Emily Dickinson is one of the underrated reasons is going to work is because Haley Dickinson is, you know, poets are musicians and vice versa. And that's why they're having yes. Wiz Khalifa and a lot of musicians as, as side characters that made characters in Dickinson. Plus being Swift Squad, Swift Squad senior card carrying member, as I call her, she knows all these guys as well. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be cool to see Swifty, Cara Delevingne, Ruby Rose or whoever appear on these things. You know, now they're all blowing up. All of these actresses. They're all Swifty people. God bless you, Taylor Swift. Whatever you're doing. Um, by the way, half of them are not only openly gay, but are like gay icons like Ruby Rose and Cara Delevingne. Um, yes, and, right. and that's part of why you know Swift's new a- album, visually and lyrically, is so much about you know let's everyone just chill out and be ourselves. Stop getting on other people and just you know what I mean. Like 
kind of thing, um, mm-hmm. in addition to her normal sort of uh, neurotic self-analysis that Swift does so well, and which is why she's such a great crossover artist, because she is sort of intelligent and, and productively neurotic. Point being that Haley Seinfeld did have a moment two years ago where I worried about my predictions for her because I felt like she was getting too famous too fast, and being a pop star can do very damaging things to, to your mind, as you know, other than just absolutely. being an actress, absolutely. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And by the way, Scarlett Johansson has a great voice, has put out some good albums, but she was never someone who's like going to go on tour as the Scarlett Johansson show. Um, that's just not her, her style. My point being, you know, in hindsight, I, I, I need to respect people women young women like margot robbie who have attained such power and influence for reasons they deserve at such a young age even if i guess even if i don't like their vision of of what's happening right if i'm being self-critical here yeah no i i agree i mean uh you just you know she's got a long career uh ahead of her and some behind her and just got to see where where it heads i mean she's allowed to make a mistake I think her, I mean, look, she's 10 years older than Haley, no, sorry. She's like seven years older than Haley Steinfeld. But in both cases, her thing with Harley and Haley's flirtation with being overly, over-sexualizing herself is related Mm -hmm. because one thing you and I have talked about off mic, so we'll talk about this and then we'll wrap up with final thoughts. Because guys, basically... This is going to... I'm going to put this in the beginning as well, Dad. Um, so, guys, okay. I, this is starting to become a narrative because, uh, you know, I've been starting to get more self-critical with my prediction slash non-prediction podcast and saying I was right here and here's why I'm right. But, Dad, as I say in the beginning of um, my Margot Robbie rant a couple days ago, I'm much more interested in the things I'm wrong about because, you know, you only learn when you make mistakes. But exactly. on top of that, the reasons I'm wrong are rarely for the reasons that I think. Like, for mm. example, Tom Holland getting sucked back by Sony once Marvel's made him great, that I could see a mile away. I didn't predict him coming back, but predicting that he was going to get taken back at least briefly by Sony, you could see a mile away. Whereas Birds of Prey being sabotaged by Margot Robbie, who's the person who stands to benefit most from the dark side of the Batverse being great, especially with Robert Pattinson you know, coming up, in relaunching Batman in such an awesome way that you and I are going to love it. Because, again, it's Detective Batman. He's going to be sciencing the shit out of stuff in addition to punching bad guys. Um, yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, and it's going to be straight up noir, which is, you know, like what Batman's supposed to be and functions best in noir. And I'm sure in The Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, but especially in The Dark Knight, Dad, you could see all the noir influences. Yes, right, yeah. and I—that's one of my my favorite subject genres, obviously. Um, quick side note, Dad. I know you hate Nicolas Cage. I normally don't like him either. But the one thing I love about Spider Verse in the theater and was dying on the commentary. So you know, at one point the Spider Verse opens. We already have Haley Steinfeld playing Spider Woman, Gwen Stacy. But the Spider Verse opens, and all of these different weird Spider Man from different dimensions come in. You have an Asian anime girl. You have a little pig like from Warner Brothers days. Wow. You have wow. all these bizarre visions over the years and one of them is spider-man noir and he's played by nick cage but he's specifically playing the cheesy uh pi um like how it was written in the 50s when they did spider-man noir or whatever Um, like interesting there's you know he comes into a, a closed room and there's wind blowing in dramatic ways and they're like where's the wind coming from 
the, the doors close, he goes, the wind follows wherever I go. I mean, you know, like, <laughs> that's great. You know, and, and also in Hit Girl, when he plays Chloe Moritz Grace's psychotic father, when they're trying to take yeah. down McLovin, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. his moments. Yeah. Anyways, Noir is great. So my point is, everyone stands to lose, especially everyone with the bad verse with this. And my connection was, by not not having Batgirl in the middle of this, you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball because now everything's dependent on a psychotic character who in the comment, well, let's be honest, Dan, another thing about Harley Quinn is she was created for the animated series when I grew up. So yeah, if yeah. Bat- Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, was created for the Adam West Batman series, which you must have at least seen some of, Oh, yeah, I saw the whole thing. Right. You know, and Batgirl would be a special guest. Batgirl, Batgirl, you know, Batgirl. They had a whole Batgirl song, her on the motorcycle and everything. I've seen That's it. That's right. It's amazing. Yeah. That was being <laughs> right. of Barbara Gordon. Right. But but then you have 50 years of Barbara Gordon comics. So Harley has really only excelled in the uh, on the screen, which is totally fine. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'm always saying, you know, go. It, it's like it's like Haley Steinfeld becoming Kate Bishop. Did we need Kate Bishop? No, absolutely not. You know, and this Hawkeye, everyone's favorite character? No, but it doesn't matter. It's a great character when you bring it to the screen and put Haley Steinfeld in the purple and black and a bow and arrow. Everyone's going to eat it up and going to want it to go on forever like Wonder Woman. Totally, right. Right? Totally. Especially with Renner yep. being the mentor. That's um, right. And by the way, Renner, following her very hard on social media, Renner, who does post on social media, just doesn't follow. I think they're sending signals, signals saying it without saying it, so... Um, oh, another quick note, Dad, and, and then we'll wrap up, um, which is, um, uh, I think the reason the Haley negotiations are going on so long is not just all the money and years and so forth, which is part of it. I think she really is proud of Dickinson and she really, she did this with Spider-Verse too, even though she is well, even though she likes Bumblebee and her other stuff, she was so proud of Spider-Verse. She promoted the hell out of it. She's done her own song, now a music video. She's doing these crazy Emily Dickinson meets, you know, Taylor Swift style photo shoots um, for it. Um, so what I'm saying, Dad, it's pretty responsible for a 22-year-old, one of the most famous pop stars and movie stars in the world, to say, hey, Marvel Cinematic Studios, who's going to pay me $100 million, hold your horses for a month while I promote my Emily Dickinson series on Apple TV, I'm, which you're getting for free, yeah. by the way. I mean, that's amazing. Yep. So th- yeah, th- this is. is the other end of the equation. And guys, so this is launching uh, narratives of, of me being an actor-centric guy all of these years. I've mentioned a lot of them already. There's others I want to highlight like Elizabeth Olsen, who I mentioned, you know, Kevin Feige being, thank you, Kevin Feige, so much. Oh, that was what I was going to say, Dad, was I'm running out of reasons to criticize Kevin Feige other than the movies being a little predictable and too colorful like Captain Marvel. But as, right, a, as right. a leader, I, you know what I mean? Between the Spider-Man thing and how much he wanted to do, specifically the WandaVision thing when he's not normally, I mean, not just WandaVision and what I thought was going to happen, Dad, which is it's all in her, her head. She's creating a, her own construct to bring back the man she loves and have this weird domestic life with him um but it's gonna get actiony pretty quickly it sounds like so she might go crazier sooner than later in fact she might fight Stephen strange in that movie that comes right afterwards so i'm having trouble and then dc seems to make a good decision warner brothers by giving power over to margot robbie and then this happens there has to be some accountability let's put it this way dad i don't think kevin feige would allow Suicide Squad to happen on his watch in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I think that's that's true. But on the other hand, 
look, one of the reasons the Joker is doing is going to do better than I initially thought, and these other movies are going to do better, is they're all going to be rated R, Dad, which you and I are calling for rated R movies. And even Deadpool, we don't have an announced, you know, rated R Marvel stuff yet from from Disney. So that does worry me a little bit. But anyways, guys, no. so this is going to launch a series talking about all the actors that I followed over the years, where they're at, and mostly that I'm excited about it. But that's a loop it back to Tom Holland and we'll do final thoughts. I appreciate you being on, which is how do these kids do, do it? I, I don't normally like to call in your psychological superpowers, um, but, you know, Tom Holland at 20 and Haley Steinfeld at 17, 18, 19, 20, etc. How do these kids keep their brains so straight now, not let fame get to their heads, and even make decisions that the grown-ups in the room are unable to make? Well, I think in, in the beginning, you know, you're dealing with, with very talented children. Um, and, of course, that can go ways. I mean, they can crash and burn, which a lot of young stars have over, over the decades. Or if they're managed right, you know, they can be really precocious and... Um, become and this cuts two ways as well they could become adults sooner than most would and maybe you know they don't have as much childhood as they should but um i think if they're managed well there's a lot to work with is what i'm trying to say because they're so talented bright and talented and uh i think you know you 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 see that with with some of these uh stars you're you're talking about is there any possible scenario where people as famous at their age and talented as Haley Steinfeld, Tom Holland, uh, related side note, Dad, I'm not making this up, about five or six days ago when I started going on these rants and stuff, so this had been after they said he was coming back, but they didn't say the reasons and how involved Tom Holland was, um, and you and I couldn't even get through Homecoming, the movie, but undeniably, his relationship with Tony Stark... Right, but who cares? His relationship with Tony Stark and the Avengers in this Captain America and Avengers movies is amazing. Um, yeah. And, and we are going to love the new one because it's not an 80s teen movie. By the way, you and I saw Bumblebee together in the theater, I believe. I just did a commentary yes, for it. And we were okay with it, even though we, we kind of groaned at a few points where it's clearly being an 80s movie. The difference is, was Spider-Man trying to be 80s? Well, let me ask you, actually. Um, uh, let me give you what happened, and then I'm going to ask you about Tom Holland and Haley Seinfeld side by side, which is, I, I was talking, you know, Jedi Geek Girl is now a huge Marvel fangirl, and she loves Tom Holland, ladies love Tom Holland, everyone loves Tom Holland, um, but she also knows I love Haley, and she, you know, is, and, and, you know, she loves Lizzie Olsen and, and Brie Larson, blah, 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 and I said, I said to her dad, and I've been saying this on my podcast, I said, you know what, I, I need a male Haley Steinfeld um, and, and to, for all my prediction to fill all my roles, and this was after he got the Uncharted role. Um, and he's now playing the best-selling PlayStation games ever roles. So if Uncharted is the best-selling PlayStation game ever, Spider-Man is the second most best-selling. He's mm. now playing both of those roles. Um, but mm. after the Uncharted, which is going to by far be the first good video game role, I said, I, Tom Holland is my Haley Stein, my male Haley Steinfeld. Like, in terms of, you know, immediately, you, two seconds on screen, their look, their delivery are immediately hilarious, appealing, relatable, and you just see that they're already great and that their their ceilings are sky high. Um, and I was going to ask you about Bumblebee, Dad, was that, well, let me ask you first, straight up, why do you think we mostly enjoyed and were easy to get through uh, uh, what was clearly a John Hughes tribute in Bumblebee versus what was also clearly a John Hughes tribute in uh, Spider-Man? 
Well, I think um, in 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 Bumblebee, I mean, you've got this really charming young girl who you just kind of fall in love with, and it's just uh, she she's easy on, on the eyes as a, as an actress in terms of how capable she is as an actress. Not to mention her her physical beauty, but um, so it's a very you know positive, not dark, but very light. Um, a uh, story with with a uh, with a, a really a charismatic teen character. Okay, can I give you a couple others real quick? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the listeners and you might not have the time to listen to the whole podcast, um, to the whole the whole commentary, which is even though it's Transformers, which I only cared about as a kid with the toys, I've hated what I've seen of the Michael Bay movies. This was specifically a low-key reboot by an artistic director, Travis Knight, who, by the way, is directing Tom Holland in Uncharted, Travis Knight, who did Kubo and the Two Strings. So they brought in a young, talented artistic director, Travis Knight, to do Transformers. And instead of giant robot battles, it was mostly what? It was about Haley and Bumblebee. And Bumblebee was a CGI character who didn't talk, so it was all Haley Steinfeld. And she's just that good. My point is, even though you and I don't give two shits on paper about Transformers, the the man-machine stuff, the AI stuff that you and I love, you know, the robots, and it looked so different from what we had seen from Marvel, and you go to Spider-Man, and yes, Michael Keaton's a great actor, and yes, we love Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. Everything on paper was great there, but because Bumblebee was just about a confused, but, you know, older than high school girl who was getting it together, and, you know, and discovered this amazing thing, and Bumblebee, it was just, even when it was the same, it was different, if that makes sense. Whereas, everything in Homecoming felt straight from the book. By the book. Yeah, I, I would never call it a Transformer movie. I mean, it just it just wasn't. Yeah, I remember it was more like it was more like a, just just a, a movie movie. <laughs> so if you cast your mind back to that. It was about a year. I believe it was last winter. So it was about a year ago. Bumblebee uh-huh. came out. Um, uh-huh. Even then, Dad, though, and even despite, you know, like like Lizzie Olsen and a couple others, me s- saying from the beginning, Haley is the next big thing. The most, the biggest of the next big things is Haley Steinfeld. She has gotten fam- more famous more, more quickly than I could have possibly imagined. What, what's your perspective on this? Hearing me talk about it, then I'm going to make the connection, the quick connection um, uh, uh, about the series and Tom Holland and so forth going forward. But what, what's your feeling? I mean, do you agree that we saw great? Pers- um, um, we saw great potential in her in Edge of Seventeen, True Grit, obviously back in the day in Bumblebee. But this is like really another level. Yeah, I don't. With her, I don't think you even need to have a good eye for talent. I think that she's just that good. And and what was she twelve when she did uh, True True Grit? She exactly. was she was she was magnetic and charismatic in that. So yep. I mean, you don't you don't have to be a, a, a talent genius to see it. She's just that that good. So anyway, Papa B, I will let you go. Um, I appreciate you being on. Uh, I was planning on this just being a podcast with you, but now I'm all worked up, and so I might make this a two part <laughs> podcast, starting with your friendly neighborhood, Papa Bizzle. By the way, Dad, you know Deadpool is specifically in the comics making fun of Spider Man. That's the whole point. Yes. He's the anti-Spider-Man. Right. And in Spider-Verse, they reference things that have happened in Deadpool uh, in, in the Spider-Man thing. You know, like the, the drawing a picture of himself, you know? Like, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And what I said is, 
let's get Spider-Man more PG movies. You know, I'm calling you more PG movies, but then put him in Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds. I mean, how great would that be to actually get Spider-Man in, in Deadpool or, or yeah. so forth? Um, That'd be so- but anyways, guys, so yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm going to launch a series. I've already done it with Scarlett Johansson where I really highlight actors at various stages um, uh, 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 that have been very impressive uh, on the youngest age, um, including, I think, Natalie Portman, Dad. You know, I've done a ton of Haley Steinfeld. Tom Holland is the next. We have to watch Far From Home just so I can do commentary on it with someone. Um, yeah, definitely. And our boy Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, that was my last question. And I'm going to let you go, Dad, which this is actually the one I wanted to ask you. Uh, we, and I know you don't have a lot of time. We can revisit it more in the future, which is something happens. In, oh, and this is where the sexiness, the pressure to feel sexiness, I think, comes from, which is Kirsten Dunst, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, uh, what's her name that was, that was in the Bourne movie, who we love, who's uh, in Silver Linings Playbook? Uh, Julia Stiles. You know, these absolutely gorgeous and spectacular actresses, they hit their late 20s and early 30s. And if they're not Natalie Portman or Scarlett Johansson, even though they're beautiful and they're not getting as worse actors, luckily we're getting Kirsten Dunst back, obviously. Um, I'd love to see more Julia Stiles. So uh, you can just give your quick answer now and we can talk about this more in the future. But do you think some of the over-sexualization that, that younger women still feel pressure in Hollywood might be related to the fact that unlike men, women are sometimes not discarded, but let's be honest, where's Maggie Gyllenhaal? Well, she's in, in a high, highly sexualized uh, uh, drama series on HBO right, right at the moment for really? the last three years. Well, see, Bizzle knows nothing about television, guys. There you have it. Deuce. Deuce. Oh, she's on Deuce? Gyllenhaal's on Deuce? She's the star of it, along with James, uh, what's his face? So you're not watching it, which makes it extra painful. No, I, I tried it. You know, me, yeah. I'm, I'm, nobody's a bigger Maggie fan than okay. I am. I tried it the first, okay. the first season. I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't like it. I thought it was too, um, yep. too sleazy. Yep. And I've heard it's gotten better, yeah. so okay. I, I don't know. All right. Well, I got to let you go. But that really makes my point, which is sometimes we're, it seems like a lot we're going to get actors we love in properties we love, and then sometimes we get Catherine Winnick in Vikings, who I hope has a great career after Vikings. It could go either way. That's certainly pairing a talented actress who can fight like hell in, the, in an amazing role. Right, Dad? Right. But it doesn't right. – but, you know, so it, it just doesn't always – kind of come together but uh, you know I, I think you can agree with me and thank you again that the actresses we do love scarlett natalie etc have just done an immaculate job with their careers oh and the question was is there any way it's not because of a family brain trust behind this especially with the young women but all the young actors versus you know shia labeouf and so forth that go off the deep end at a young age yeah, right. It exactly. has to be Haley's family yeah. and Scarlett's family and Natalie's family, right? I mean, it has to be. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know. I mean, yeah, in, in life, has in, to be. in life in general, you can't do it without your family. Let alone, you know, being a Hollywood star. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Let All me. Right. Since, since, yeah. Wait. Since you mentioned Dunn, so let, let me do a quick commercial for her. Go. Her, her love her. Show, I her talk about show. her like all over the place in Spider Verse. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, you, you guys. She is so spectacular in this. Highly quirky. Darkish uh, comedy um, that's the, called "On Becoming a God in Central Florida." I love it already. I love oh, it. That's a long title. That's a good one, as opposed to the fantabulous Harley Quinn or whatever. Uh, it, what's it yeah, called yeah. on the? Okay. What? 
No, keep going. Keep going. Uh, yeah, on becoming a god in Central Florida. I think it's. Oh, is it Showtime or HBO? But it's really funny, and she's 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 virtuosic in this role. She's so great. Yeah, and again, so, she. Oh, no, go ahead. No, just uh, going to say that the uh, the 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 Bizzleverse should check it out. Because oh, it's check really it out, guys. Give, giving it a chance. Look, before we had Jane Foster and Pepper Potts, we had Mary Jane with Toby McGuire, and you know. Toby has, hasn't aged as well in terms of the Spider-Man performance. It's not his fault. Um, but I guess what I'm saying, Dad, is Kirsten Dunst's blessing and curse, which is becoming less of a curse to young women, which I'm getting at, is she was already a great actress, but she was known for being the beautiful girl in the big budget movies. Uh-huh. And that's why Natalie, you know, it, it, with the Jane Foster role, it's the opposite of that. I mean, she's still the beautiful girl with Chris Hemsworth, but as I say in my Thor commentary, Dad, which I just re-released, which I recorded three years ago, what's great about Thor 1 is I'm with Natalie. Like, a heterosexual guy, of course I'm in love with Natalie Portman, but in that movie, I'm going, oh my God, he's so hot, he's so hot, he's so hot. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, and, and it's not even a joke, like, that's something they established early with Whedon and company. It was like, let's not dance around the fact that Chris Hemsworth's hot and everybody knows it. Let's just make <laughs> jokes about it all the time and so yeah. forth. Right. But anyways, I'm all thrilled right. about Kirsten Dunst. Also, really quickly, Dad, I think we should recommend to people they see Marshall for like a thousand reasons to throw a good oh. Marshall movie with Chadwick Boseman. Um, great, great film. But her moral ambiguity in the film, you know, I mean – I remember, like, I, I was so impressed by that. I mean, yeah. the, the, like, obviously Bozeman, um, and uh, I always forget the famous black actor who who was who was playing the the defendant in it, who's in a million things. But she, in some ways, was was the was the crux of that whole movie, and that was like yeah. all face work. That was complete face work of her sitting in the crowd. She's she's just a great actor, hands down. Anyone else I mean, in that show? In in uh, in her new show, yeah. Uh, no one that good. Yeah. good. This is why I don't want any guest stars in Black Widow. I want it to be make a billion dollars just because of Scarlett Johansson. Exactly right. All right, Papa Bizzle. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right, it was fun. I'll oh. talk to you later. Oh, and quickly to the Bizzlecast listeners, uh, one to ten, The Dark Knight Rises. Eleven. <laughs> so what's The Dark Knight like? Seventy three. Yeah, like yeah. like that. Like 73, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Tony Stark to his daughter, or to his daughter to Tony Stark. I love you 3,000. Um, right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Papa Bizzle. Um, All right. And we'll, we'll get you back on for some Daredevil commentary soon. Thanks again, Dan. Great. Great. All right. And thank you, Bizzlecast listeners. May the force be with you. More podcasts coming soon. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out.